You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Genesis chapter 13. Verses 1 through 4, Abram returns to Canaan. After the near disaster in Egypt, during a famine, when Abram's wife Sarai was taken into Pharaoh's harem, he and his family escaped with his life and his wife. They left with great riches, livestock, silver, and gold. Wealth in the ancient world was not measured by ownership of land. We saw this when we studied the life of Job. As soon as the famine was over, they headed south and they returned to Canaan. He stopped between Bethel and Ai, the place where he had previously built an altar to the Lord. He may have used the same altar he built, and he called on the name of the Lord. He needed guidance from God. Verses 5 to 9, Conflict, Abram and Lot Separate The messy business in Egypt had increased Abram's riches, but they came with troubles of their own. Soon after, conflict arose between the servants of the family members. Both Abram and his nephew Lot had acquired great flocks, herds, and tents, and they felt the area wasn't large enough to support them both. The conditions were crowded. Riches are often the cause of strife. Hardships didn't separate them, but prosperity did. Matthew Henry says, There is a burden of care in getting riches, fear in keeping them, temptation in using them, guilt in abusing them, sorrow in losing them, and a burden in account at last to be given up about them. Yet God sometimes makes a good man rich without sorrow, as is the case with Abram. Then we are reminded that the Canaanites and Perizzites were living in the land at the time. The Perizzites were a Canaanite tribe. We must be careful in how we deal with our fellow believers because the world is always watching. We should try to avoid conflicts, because, but if we can't, we must try to make it right as soon as possible. Romans 12.18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This should be especially true among family members. And as the elder in the family, Abram takes it upon himself to be the peacemaker. He doesn't like conflict and shows great generosity to his nephew in order to smooth things over. He uses a gentle answer to turn away wrath. He reminds him that they shouldn't fight since they are relatives. They will have enough of enemies in the land, but they shouldn't turn on each other. He says, let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herders or mine, for we are close relatives. Here we see a different Abram than the one we saw in Egypt. He is no longer self-centered. Then, instead of just leaving it at, why can't we just all just get along, he offers a suggestion. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. He waived his right of seniority and gave the choice to his nephew to select the best land for himself. Lot could take the best. Abram would accept the rest. And this would raise Abram's reputation in the eyes of the servants, who would have left Egypt in disgrace because of Abram's deception. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. As Abram is an example of peacemaking for us, 
we should also speak directly and courteously to the person with whom we have a conflict, offer solutions to the problem, and defer to their preferences. He was the elder and better man, and he proved this by his wisdom and his cool and reasonable actions. Verses 10 to 13, Lot chooses Sodom. Lot should have deferred to his older relative, but he looked out for himself instead. He takes Abram up on the offer right away and surveys the land. He observes that the Jordan Valley is a very fertile, well-watered plain that would be ideal for his flocks and herds to graze. It is described by Moses as the Garden of the Lord, Eden, or like the land of Egypt, near a place called Zoar, with which his readers would have been familiar. Egypt was often more fertile than surrounding nations uh, because of the seasonal flooding of the Nile. Then he adds a caveat, since what they'd be seeing now would not look the same. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. The area Lot chose had not yet been devastated by the divine catastrophe which would have obliterated any traces of its earlier agricultural richness. And as we observed in the Garden of Eden, we see a pattern for decision-making. Then Eve saw, took, and ate. Here, Lot looked, he saw, he chose. He was motivated by selfishness. John says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. So because of the obvious superiority of the area, Lot chooses the whole plain of Jordan for himself, and the two men part company. But he never considered the spiritual danger of his choice. It was an excellent choice from a worldly point of view, but it would prove to be disastrous spiritually. Matthew Henry says, In all our choices, this principle should rule. That is best for us, which is best for our souls. Abram lives in Canaan, but we are told Lot pitched his tents near Sodom. Watch for the progression of Lot into the life of Sodom. For now, he is living near Sodom. Then we are given an assessment of the residents. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. This is just a general statement at this point. We don't know what this involves, but for it to be pointed out, they must have been worse than the average Canaanite who were wicked as well. Ezekiel 16.49 says, Now this was the sin of your sister, Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. So Lot was now in a dangerous proximity to a place synonymous with wickedness. It's bad enough to have bad neighbors, but all the worse if we have chosen them. Verses 14 to 18, God reaffirms the covenant with Abram. Abram may have been separated from his relatives, but God had not abandoned him. And so that Abram doesn't feel he has somehow lost out by offering the better land to his nephew, God comes to him afterwards to reaffirm the covenant. He tells Abram to look in all directions from where he is standing. Then he says, All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, 
Walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. God deeds the land to Abram and his innumerable descendants. He had not lost anything by sharing with Lot. All the land was still his by possession. His prospects through faith were more rich and beautiful than anything around him. Then, as much as nomad, a nomad can have a permanent home, Abram pitches his many tents near a large grove of terebinth trees, which were well known at the time, in a place called Mamre, um, and that was based on a man who was an Amorite. And this place has also been called Kirjath Arba, and later Hebron, the place from which King David originally ruled. While Abram was there, he built an altar to the Lord to thank him. Gracious promises should elicit our praise. So he established worship there in the promised land. This chapter opened and ended with worship, and we should open and end our days the same way. Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? When there was strife between Abram's and Lot's descendants, Abram proposed a solution, offering the best to his nephew. We are to be peacemakers. Jesus explains how to deal with conflict between believers. There should be no grasping at power or status or wealth, but we must think of others as better than ourselves. We should be content. The supreme example of this type of humility was Jesus. Abram used calm, cool, and careful words to diffuse a volatile situation. We are to be, do the same. Abram sought reconciliation. God appeals to us to be reconciled with him, and as ambassadors, we are to appeal to others to be reconciled to God. Lot made his choice based on appearances with no regard for spiritual priorities. We need to avoid the lust of the eyes. God promised the land to Abram and his descendants. This was partially fulfilled in the days of King Solomon, but they point forward to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, where the promise is expanded, from mere geography in a region in the Middle East to an inheritance of the earth. Therefore, we can know that we don't need to fear losing out by giving up anything in this world. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Genesis chapter 14. May God bless the study of his word.